Hello and welcome to This AFL Life. I am your host, Alison Smirnoff, and I'm really pleased to be joined by my co-hosts actually in person today in my lounge room, Rachel Hibbert. Oh. Welcome. Oh, Alison. How great to be here. Oh, so good. And Susan Cabman. Hello. Thank you for inviting me back. Oh, it's it's great to have you here. So today's show we're gonna we're gonna wrap up what was a really strange twenty twenty. Time has warped and I can't quite believe we're at the end of twenty twenty. This is rather the bookend uh, I guess for the year. We we're here the week we went into lockdown and we're here again. <laughs> Out of lockdown. Out of lockdown. <laughs> Um, before we get started with the show, I just want to acknowledge that um, in October we lost a member of the women's footy uh, community, uh, Giants AFLW player Jacinda Barclay, uh, passed away in October. Um, and no doubt with her teammates returning from two pre-season training, you know, they would no doubt still be feeling that loss quite heavily and we may all still feel that loss quite heavily heading into next year's AFLW season. Um, so I just wanted to express that our our thoughts and our love are with the Giants family, uh, the greater women's footy family um, and also Jacinda's friends and family. Thanks, Al. Mm, thanks, Al. So 2020 has been a strange one. On our last show, we talked about the AFLW trade period and we also proved to be fortune tellers because I think we expressed our desire for the VFLW season to be brought forward, to be played side by side with the AFLW season. Lo and behold, that's that's what's happened. (laughs) Now, you are both... Very heavily involved with the Darabin Falcons VFLW team. Caddy, you are a line coach. And Hiba, you are a player. I am. So how has it been? It's it's full steam mm. ahead now. Pre-season training and mm. then break for Christmas and then it's on. Yeah, it, it was quite weird watching the Queensland State League play throughout the year and when the finals came on it was com- with complete jealousy that I sat down and watched it on YouTube from home um, and I couldn't wait to get on the field um, and so the fact that it's happening in about nine weeks is terrifying. Um, most of us are quite happy that pre-season isn't six months long um, because fartlek isn't fun. <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, we're we're full steam ahead. We've had team selections happen. We've had two K time trials happen. We've had caddy whipping our ass happen. Um, we've um, been privileged to have a really really um, experienced coaching panel um, be brought on at Darabin this year. Um, and I I think for the players returning, they're very aware of how um, I guess skilled and experienced they all are and for the new girls as well it's quite an eye-opener for what Darabin stands for but also what VFLW is Um, so I'm privileged to have 
be a part of it and to be about a part of the club and the the league itself. I can't wait for that season to kick off. Because you also missed a huge chunk of 2019. Oofed. That long ago. Yeah. You must be chomping at the bit. A little bit. <laughs> um, I was thinking about this uh, last week actually about the fact that whilst no one got to play a season in 2020 and I didn't get to play a season in 2020 and I wouldn't have because of my injury – was such a good result for me because for my own mental health, not having to sit on the sidelines and watch my team play every week was a huge win for me. It was a terrible, terrible thing for everyone else to not be able to play a season of footy, but I think I would have absolutely lost the plot. Completely selfish of me, I know. But it's, yeah, I'm, I can't wait. And it's completely full of nerves as well. I think that first game I get through, I'll be... Mm. After that, I'll be flying. But, yeah, I feel a bit sick when I think about playing footy again. Yeah. But I think with the year that we've had, any little win you can take oh, out of it, <laughs> just, just take it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Any any crunching punch I make, I'll be yep, running for a sub and celebrating. Yeah. How are you going with um, being on this coaching panel, Caddy? Yeah, similar um, feelings, excited about the season. Um, it's gone from zero to 100 in a real quick time, honestly, literally sitting on our hands at home for six months or more, like really, um, with lockdown, to a very rapid um, entry to getting people back running and kicking and just trying to switch your mindset into footy. I have to admit it's really challenging and I think like I just wanted to take a second just to circle back to something that he was said about um, the impact of missing a season of footy. And I think that's something that will be felt in the competition actually, possibly for another year or two. Because I think like you can't, it was, it was awful. It was so hard. Not even someone who plays foot, like I just kick around the park, you know, play my average league football and it was still really hard for me watching my friends running around or literally everywhere in Australia except for Victoria playing mm. proper games of footy. And the benefits, mm, the benefits versus sort of the negatives is really interesting to weigh up because, I mean, I think for older players, a year off footy might have been nice, but then the younger players... I think of those NAB Cup girls or some of that that around that age to mm. miss a year of footy at that at this like really important time might work against them going forward. So I just think um really interested to see what happens and then like I said, just that switching of mindset straight back into elite level football is really difficult and I'm not sure how it's gonna go. Like we have a VFLW season that's starting in like what, nine weeks, is that what you said here? Like, that's wild. And, you know, the AFLW season starting soon, but at least they had some clearances to train and have real supports put around them to do that. VFLW has kind of been left out on their own. And I think, like, it's going to be a season like no other, that's for sure, 2021, mm. um, regardless of the shift and the changes. Um, just that playing footy again is going to be really, really difficult for many, many players, I think. Yeah. Are you guys concerned about injuries? Yep. 
I think my own mindset is I'm always concerned about injury now. It's yeah. it's on a different level of heightened awareness. Um, I guess something Daisy Pierce said a few years ago about being um, not being afraid of the game itself and trusting that you're fit to take it on. And if something happens, it happens. And it's really unlucky. Um but I think, yeah, things like Caddy was saying that need to be in place to make sure that it is a competitive and safe competition is that we need that support to have gym, to have strength and conditioning, to have the right conditioning um, to not only produce a successful league of football and, a, you know, some a good quality football to watch and to play, but to literally be safe out there. Mm. Um, I Yeah, I, I, I do worry a little bit that it's, happening so quickly that uh we won't be ready physically and mentally um but in saying that don't let the fear of strike what is it don't let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game i got that from the cinderella story (laughs) with chad michael murray and hillary duff (laughs) so what's the actual start date of the season they're aiming for the 27th and 28th of february okay all right so that's about a that's a that's a month after A4W starts. Correct. Yep. Or four rounds rather. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So it's still only half an AFLW season mm. that overlaps. That's interesting. The fact that for the girls who will play predominantly AFLW, which will be a solid nine games if lucky, will not play VFL because they won't be dropped down. Mm. to the second tier, nor will they be allowed to play finals VFLW football if they haven't played a certain amount of games, means once again that these girls are training for six or seven months for nine games of football. Mm. Yes. <laughs> I, I guess we're completely preaching to the congregation here. They They understand what it's all about but I I guess um, the three of us and our listeners understand that it's it's just not going away well I mean I was referencing before I've been doing some some interviews through my work with Siren um, and I was talking to uh, a coach that I know and the the comment from from this coach was that you just cannot improve as a footballer by playing eight games of footy, um, you know, so you would love to see AFLW girls going back to VFL at the end of the season, but I would hazard a guess that many won't. And, you know, how how can the competition grow and get better when it's still so bloody short? <laughs> mm. And on that as well, I think being on that VFLW tier and not, playing AFLW, I learnt so much from the girls coming back and the coaches who were coming back. And I, I wonder whether that will have an effect on the development of younger girls who don't have that, um, I guess, clearance to those bigger, more experienced players where, you know, I am now considered an experienced player at the Falcons and that shakes me because I don't feel experienced whatsoever and I've, I'm have i not of that calibre. Um so I I will I do wonder what the um I guess the quality of the football will be like without the AFLW girls. It'll be a, a different league. Mm. It'll look different. 
it'll be a different pace as well. Um, oh, it'll be so interesting. I think that it's um, in terms of that return to football, it's a really good thing, I think, because it gives the VFLW girls a chance to get their feet mm. <laughs> and just play some footy against each other. And then sort of as the season progresses, we'll, we'll bring that, that. I think many AFLW players will come back, but maybe not the stars. And Yeah. Um, that being said, I don't want to be so VFLW-centric on the potty, but just to acknowledge that the league, VFLW league, has been really impacted in 2020 um, through the lockdown. Mm. So it's important to acknowledge considering – you know, the Melbourne field teams, the AFLW, that it's really, it really will, it does have an um, flow on impact on the AFLW. So, yeah. Um, well, that kind of brings us to the AFLW draft and I need to just get it out there that we are not going to do a draft analysis on this AFL life, that's kind of not what we're about. But if you want, would re- I find one out? <laughs> well, if you want a really great in-depth analysis of the AFLW draft, you should listen to Siren Sports podcast. Um, it was hosted by myself and my Siren Sport colleague Gemma Bastiani, and she is a we call her the AFLW Oracle because she actually knows everything. <laughs> She's the bibley. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if you want, if you want to know who your team drafted and a bit about each player. I really recommend listening to that podcast. But uh, a thought that I have had about the draft, and we kind of touched on it, is the NAB League players that have been drafted this year, um, because of the fact that there was no VFLW season in 2020, these NAB League girls are going straight from NAB League into senior women's footy. And that is quite a jump. Um, so I just wanted to get your opinions on that. I think with the preseason that's been happening over the last few months, they will have had a welcoming to the, uh, I guess, the bigger bodies and the um, the pace that is AFLW. Um, we also saw the 2K time, tri- time trial at Melbourne where a draftee actually won and she beat Paxi and um, some other really, really great runners at the club. So I don't have, um, I guess I don't have reservations about their elitism. I do have reservations about the literal body size, though. Um, sometimes, I guess, you know, the likes of Paxi is quite a small build, but she's been around for such a long time that she knows how to get out of, I guess, um, you know, trouble. Uh, so it, it will be really interesting, and I think that goes for any um, draftee, whether it's in men's or women's sport or footy or basketball, whatever it is, there's there's always stepping stones to get up to the same level as the people who've been there for a few years, um, and that doesn't happen overnight. And we'll, we'll probably even see um, some first-year girls not get a run this year, especially if they've had a number of draftees at their club um, they'll be vying for spots and it and might be just that they're developed this year and then kept on in the following year um, and the years to come. So I personally wouldn't expect to see every single player make a debut this year. That's just me. But um, I guess it comes down to when they're physically ready and when they're mentally ready as well mm. to take the game on. Yeah. 
What What do you think, Caddy, about the NAB League girls players not having played senior footy? Yeah, I, I was – I mean, I'm no recruiter, but I was really surprised at the draft. Um, really thought if there was a year to recruit some overage – whatever age that is. Um, mature age. Mature age at 20 um, players to play. This was the year because, particularly from Victoria, obviously, mm. due to that lack of match of um, overage football, I was shocked at the run of, I don't know, whatever it was, 15 in a row mm. NAB girls that were picked up. Obviously, there's a heap of talent there, but beyond, you know, some really top talent. I think you're really playing with fire, bringing that, bringing those players in. And I don't understand how they'll slot into your team in 2021 immediately. Um, limited training um, with the COVID restrictions and nine games, like we talked about, you can't even play yourself into f- fitness or get some games under your belt to get, ready I just think it's really interesting and I think there's a lot of girls who are top dog in the NAB league who are going to get a real rude shock it's like going from year six to year seven isn't mm-hmm. it you go from you know king of the castle queen of the planet to yeah bottom of the heap again queen yeah. of the planet I don't know we rule <laughs> but oh, I like it <laughs> but it's true like there's not many there's not many Nina Morrisons and um mm. Is Huntington Huntington's in the world? Like, that's that's Maddie even, Press Parker. Press Parker's what I was thinking yeah. of. There's very few of those players. I see it in the men's as well. Like, how many of those players do you see come in and impact mm. their team? Like Matt Roll last year. That's him. it. I love him. I <laughs> and love Rankin. Him. No one else. Like, it's yeah. just interesting with smaller list sizes in AFLW and limited preparation time, why they would not um, give a go to some more mature age. Like I said, we're not talking mature age. We're talking 20-year-olds, players. It's interesting. I do wonder whether it's a long-term development plan and whether or not they're yeah waiting for those 30, 31, 32-year-olds and to, to you know bring these girls in, train them up with those older women and you know have a protege of sorts um in into the team i i think that was definitely melbourne's oh 100% uh, yeah that yeah. was exactly what they said going in um todd patterson at melbourne was quite open about the fact that they were taking raw young talent and planning on developing them mm. um but yeah it'll be really interesting to see how they go i think like a i don't think there'll be a, a million debuts this year um but yeah i think it'll be competitive for the list spots so mm. yeah um but but talking of um mature age players there were a couple that popped up through the draft <laughs> one of them uh ended up at the gold coast sun sarah perkins was a great result on your perko and um and another one that was very uh Exciting for us of the Falcons' persuasion. Uh, Georgia Hammond getting picked up by North Melbourne. I lost it when I was watching the coverage of the draft. My whole family cried. Um, <laughs> whilst I'm very, very good friends with Georgia, I think I started crying and mum was like, why are you crying? And then she started crying and it all happened. And then Hickey was crying Hickey on the coverage. Crying. Yeah, it was. I think like Hickey crying was, it was me. 
that was I just didn't know how to cope. Yeah. yeah. It was just like George has been in the system for however many years. She's played alongside, she's played against, she's been in academies, she's done everything you can to get a list spot, but age was just mm. not I want to say not kind to her, but people looked at her age on paper and said, no, she's she's not done enough. And then she went to North and it was a really tough decision for her. She uh, really struggled to leave Darabin, but it was what she had to do. And thankfully they obviously saw her, believed in her and, uh, yeah, picked her up. Yeah, great result. I, th- I think she's going to be really handy for North, mm. my God. Mm-hmm. So just circling back to um – Sarah Perkins, I think what a what an awesome story. Um, yeah, everyone's familiar with the Perko story. Superstar of the Crows, um, Premiership player, came over to Melbourne, back to Melbourne, um, off the off the AFLW list onto Hawthorne. Did some pretty impressive things at Hawthorne. Um, kept at it, never gave up. Kept training, putting her name out there, and. The Suns, exactly what the Suns needs, in my opinion. Just someone who can, who's been around in the system, like we said, and can just kick goals from anywhere in the field. I think it's just an awesome story of persistence and belief and hard work. And I think I just really am really pleased that she's managed to find her way up there. And I think by all accounts of social media, she's loving it, which is really great to see. Just love seeing a football player like Perko enjoying her footy. It's really great. And I think only good things can come of it for the Suns. Oh, completely. I mean, th- like to have um, to have Perko as a target for them, because they were, they were really competitive last season. Like they were, they mm, were really mm-hmm. impressive Gold Coast. So yeah. it's just such a good get for them. Mm. And I think she, not just a, a physical presence on the field, but a voice as well. There's mm. so many times as a defender against Perko, I've just been baffled by who to actually tag or yeah. what to do because her voice is, um, yeah, resounding around the around the field. Um, yeah, and she's like she's so experienced. Like it feels like she's been playing footy forever, but mm. she's still quite young. She's twenty seven. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah. yeah. The I, my favourite footage is when she played her first game for Melbourne this year against West Coast at Casey Fields and she sold some candy and then delivered this 40-metre bomb into the pocket and Abby Holmes lost the plot. Just like, look at the elite kick. And it was. It was something that I don't think we'd, we'd seen that year really from someone of that skill. Um, but she's, she's going to do great things for Gold Coast. Mm. I'm so, so stoked for her. Um, super proud. I was in the room on draft day in 2016 at that inaugural draft for the 2017 season. And um, Perko was one of two players in the room that were invited on the day that didn't get their name called out. And it was just horrendous. And I actually I have a very vivid memory. Melbourne had the very last pick of the draft and the name was read out and it's you know, it was pick blah blah blah, Sarah, Jolly. <laughs> and at that moment, you know, Perko stood up and just let had you know, she was in tears, just had to leave the room and I, I just for for Bet Goddard to then 
sign her as a you know as a free agent and get her to go over to Adelaide and just Perko's willingness to to do that like to pick up her life um and we'll probably talk about this when we talk about part-timers media but you know these are part-time athletes to pick up your life and move into state and now she's done it again moving to the Gold Coast I mean I've just got so much respect for her I think I've spoken to Perko a fair bit over the last few weeks about the transition up to Gold Coast and what it's been like. And I don't think she'll mind me saying, to be honest, that it has been really, really hard. She's left her, her dog. She's left her oh. family. Like, yeah. I you, just saw a little I, saucy that, dog. Yeah, a little yeah. saucy dog. And you See, you, that, that's yeah. a no from me. I exactly. couldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. And these are the kind of sacrifices. Like, you think about your pet and you have you have to leave it because you have to go into two weeks of mandatory quarantine before you're allowed out. And then she's she said she felt, you know, a bit sore in her hammy because she spent two weeks in a hotel room and the only exercise she was allowed to do was, you know, 40 minutes of outdoor exercise. And she said, oh, well, you know, you just deal with that and move on. And I just – I spoke to her on the phone. And I just said, you know, how, how are you going? What's – what are you feeling? And she said, well, I'm just really lucky to be up here. And I was like, yeah, Perko, you're lucky to be up there, but you've worked your ass off to get there and you're still doing it now. So – yeah, that perseverance and, again, the part-time um, aspect of it is just so, so huge and I w- just wheeled it back around again to this, you know, brought forward of the AFL and VFLW seasons, the, um, you know, the time to train. It's just not there and, yeah, I'm so impressed by her, yeah, mm. ability to do that. Um. The other bit of news floating around was the release of the fixture. Mm-hmm. I think 28th of January, the season kicks off. Carlton and Collingwood again. We're back. Um, I guess I, like I, the 2017 game between Carlton and Collingwood obviously was like it's a night that anyone associated with women's footy will never forget. But I still would love to see a Melbourne Bulldogs season opener because they were the two teams that really kicked this off and really supported women's footy before these big clubs came in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think the first round of any season is n- never really, and I dare I say it, is never really two teams versing each other. I think everyone's there supporting football. Mm. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I don't think it would particularly matter who was playing, but I think, yeah, I agree personally. <laughs> would much rather it be those two. Yes, but death of the conference system. Hooray. No more conferences. One ladder. Thank God. Praise the Lord. It'll actually give us a winner. Yes. It'll give us an accurate representation. I know there'll be teams that won't play other teams, but honestly, like... The best of the bad lot, isn't it? Yeah. You know, that w- what we've been given thus far. That's right. It's a much better way of doing it. And, you know, it's progress and it's working towards everyone playing each other at some point. And I just think it's awesome. The end. So the season is going to be nine home and away rounds and I think three weeks of finals. Um, so. I think it's, yeah, the top six playing finals. And so one and two get a rest the first week. And then it's three versus six, four versus five, and the winners of those games play one or two in the second week right. yeah, as prelims. And then mm. the third week is a grand final. So it's still not the best 
finals fixture. But again, it's a, the best of a bad lot that we've been given and it's on the way to having a full, fully structured season. Mm. So um, at least it gives six teams the run at a premiership. Yeah, mm. which I think... I think in a in a fourteen team competition, then a top six is is fair. Mm. I th- I think so too. I think to have four, we'd be asking for six. Yep. Just being completely selfish, we want six. Um, another exciting feature of next year's fixture is that there will be a competition wide Pride round and Indigenous round, and I'm very excited about this. We did talk about how ridiculous it was just taking us back to our season, <laughs> even though it feels like 17 years I ago. I think we are like, you know, AFLW experts, really. I think they listen to us. They must listen to the show. I reckon it's hot. Like, number one on the subscribe list. Hi, Nicole Livingston. How are you? No, I just think it was a bad look, to be honest, having some clubs putting in a really – impressive effort in acknowledging Pride Rounds. I'm speaking of Pride Round in particular. Mm. Um, some wearing some rainbow socks and some doing nothing. Like, what? what's that? That's not yeah. That's not um, an it's appropriate acknowledgement of a really key community, particularly in women's football. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, AFLM is probably still at the stage where – Maybe only that one game is the Pride game. Like I don't know whether the men's game has progressed, but given the history of women's football and it being such a safe space for you know um, queer women and queer people, I, I think it's like it's just a no-brainer. Like make it a competition-wide thing, and they have. And of course, the Indigenous rounds. Not to um, ignore that, and I'm hoping. I'm not sure what they're going to do, but um, I think that in AFLM they're doing a fantastic job at that particular round in the appropriate acknowledgements and involvement of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community. So I would hope that we will see that also happening in AFLW and I'm really looking forward to these rounds, I think. Mm. I hope that people make an extra special effort to go support their teams in those rounds because I think that sends a message. Yeah, for sure. Actually, I was I was thinking a little bit about the AFLW season and and something through something that I really enjoyed through lockdown was actually I really got into the WNBA and um and I mean not only like just so impressed with the skill level and the number of games they played back to back. And I'm just totally in love with Sue Bird. And, (laughs) um, (laughs) but their level of activism was just, it just blew me away and just really calling out the injustices and just being so passionate about the black lives matter movement. And I, I would just love to see, our AFLW players take that kind of stance. And I'm just wondering if you if you think that that would ever happen. Uh, if there is a community that's going to be open and united about passionate topics, I would argue that it is the AFLW community. 
However, I also wonder whether, just bringing this back around to the part-time nature of it, whether they'd be willing to risk the you know involvement at their club that may not support that kind of movement. Um, in saying that, I think the men's made great waves this year with the clothing the gap um, mm. t-shirt to even wearing it to warm up in um, something like that. I can absolutely see the AFLW clubs getting around that and using that as a platform uh, for activism as well. Um, I think with the WNBA as well, the fact that it was all in a hub and yep. that was their only time that they were able to, I guess, show people what was happening in their hub was then and there um, also made a large difference. But you're right, it made absolute headlines around the place. Um, so I hope, I hope so. The other thing that I'm very excited about this year is we have to pay. To go and see the women play. Take my money. Take of course. My cash. Oh yes. How could I forget this? How Hibber. much will it cost yes. to pay a season ticket? Like give yeah. me a season ticket. Well, I, at, I'm at the point where is it is it more cost effective for me to just buy a club membership for each Melbourne-based club or to buy a general admission ticket oh each game? I will do the math. I will let you know <laughs> in my work tomorrow. I will let you know because I also want all the memorabilia and merchandise that comes with a club membership. Assuming that a club membership gets you admission to a game. Yeah, yeah that's a fair point. And that's it. I don't even know. the they In previous years, it's just been some memorabilia and maybe a keychain. Keychain? Wow. Ching, ching. Ching, ching. A keychain. <laughs> and a keep cup. Lanyard. Yeah. <laughs> I'm one of those crappy card holders that no one ever uses and pops them straight in the bin. Yep. Um, yeah, so get back to us with that research, Hibber. I will, absolutely. But again, it's another thing like I'm sure all the AFLW, all the, all the AFL clubs, you know, they put out their AFLW membership packages and then all of a sudden – the AFL's announced that it's going to be – they're going to charge admission all of a sudden. Mm. So, clubs are probably scrambling now. I just had a thought. Mm. If our games overlap, I'm not going to be able to get to see lots of footy. Surely there's going to be double headers. Where I'm playing. Yes. <gasps> That's exciting. Surely. Eva, have you not thought about this until this very point in well, time? Why would I be playing on Icon Park? you're playing Carlton, mate. So, you know, if Carlton are playing GWS, it might make sense for the, you know, their VFL team to be playing beforehand and be playing Darabin. Hint, hint, VFL. Get those fixtures lined up. Did you not think that perhaps the reason the VFLW fixtures aren't finalised may be because they were waiting on the AFLW fixtures? No, I just thought they'd forgotten about us as per (laughs) usual. It also solves the problem of us not having a ground to play on because it's cricket season. <laughs> I will have you know that I um, wore my watch, Alison, during uh, conditioning last <laughs> night at AH Cap, and um, not only did we have a cone that was covering dog poo <laughs> and not the 200-metre mark, but it took into account the elevation across AH Cap. And during these 
these um, lap runs, which was about a, circ- a 400 meter run, mm. uh, the ground went up and down a huge four meters. Hey, that outer wing undulation, Mm-mm. it's great on the way down, Mm-mm. tough on the way out. Oofed. Yeah. Isn't there something about high altitude training there? That yeah. It's a benefit to Darwin Falcons <laughs> yes, players. Yes, it yeah. is. It's I the secret. I should be in the a chamber. undulating outer wing is the secret to Darwin's success. That's and why. That's why Paxi's such an amazing runner. It's all terrain, and it's all the dodging of the little doggy holes in there too. Yep. The ankle, the Str- ankle strong, a- strong ankles at the Falcons. <laughs> True. <laughs> Ah crap produces again. <laughs> so, Caddy, there's something else. Some other news that popped up recently that you would like to talk about. Yeah. So, in exciting news. An AFL club has, for the first time ever, appointed an all-female coaching staff for their VFLW team. This team is Hawthorne, the Hawthorne Hawks, as you may know them. And the the head coach is Rebecca Goddard, uh, a friend of the show. Rebecca. Yes. It's a formal. It's a full name. It's very formal. It's a full name segment. <laughs> Um, no, very exciting news. Uh, Hawthorne, who it must note, do not have an AFLW license, as we know. Um, very, very interested in having one. Have really kind of shown their cards, I think, and really invested in the uh, competition and really sh- um, put up a very, very capable VFLW coaching panel um, from across Victoria to lead their team this year. And I think there was a little bit of chit-chat around when the media came out about, you know, the usual trolls. Uh, Coaches should be appointed on their merits, blah, 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 blah. You know, um, why should women get the gig over men? I think that you'll find that all six of the women on the Hawthorne VFLW coaching staff are all very, very experienced, capable, have done their time in footy and deserve the opportunities that they're given. So I think it's really awesome. Just wanted to call that out. And I think congratulations to Beck and the team at Hawthorne. Um, not really looking forward to coaching against them, if I'm completely honest. <laughs> Very intimidating t- um, group they've got there, but really just great news for women's footy. Yeah, totally. Love to see it. I'm all about it. Will be hard to play against, can confirm. <laughs> no, it's um, it's a, it's a great panel. A lot of experience, uh, women's footy experience. Um. I was having a conversation yesterday with a friend of the pod um, and she was saying that something that she was going to look at keenly was, you know, because there's been a few at AFLW level, there's been a few coaches that have been pulled across from men's, the men's program. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, the style of football they try and implement given that they're not familiar with women's footy. Um, so yeah, so it's great to see a full coaching panel of women, totally experienced in women's footy. Yeah. Love to see it. Just on that point, 
you've just stirred something in me and I swear it's not because I just finished off my third furphy. <laughs> but, okay, I understand the soft caps are different and I understand this. What the hell is this bullshit about bringing men into the men with no experience? Yes, they, many of them are experienced AFLM players have had zero interest in AFL, in women's footy actually at all, not even AFLW, just women's footy, um, suddenly becoming coaches, support, whatever, blah, blah, blah. These decisions have been made to push people out like Natalie Wood at Geelong, who's thankfully now picked up a another role at the Bulldogs. But I just think that I'm really disappointed that AFL clubs had said they were prioritising AFLW and then when really, when push came to shove, the first thing to go, BFLW, thank you Richmond Tigers, and women working within the clubs. I think it's disgusting. Yeah, I just can't see... I'm like, I mean, Caddy, you're, you're much more experienced footballer and very experienced coach you know than me <laughs> I'm not a coach at all um not hard you're then. a life coach <laughs> I'm your life coach uh, no maybe not no. That <laughs> god please don't give me that responsibility but as a coach women's women's football is unique isn't it yes so I yeah I mean to me it, it just I'm I'm staggered that that people with no experience working with women and within women's football and understanding the women's game because it is different, how they're just brought brought in and plonked in and said, "Yeah, you'll, oh, you'll just run this program." Yeah, I think we've seen it happen time and time again. These, you know, maybe not AFLW level yet, but at lower level, seeing experienced men um, coaches who have coached men coming in at the elite level and, you know, they're great coaches, but transferring over to women's footy is is very different and I think they don't understand the nuances that you need to um, work with a group and I'm not um, preaching, you know, women and men are different or whatever. Like it's just, it's just a fact. It's just women's footy is different and we should celebrate that. Mm. And I think, um, yeah, I just think that, it's just, um, yeah, I'll watch very closely mm. as well. Yeah, because I'm not at all saying that men can't coach women's footy because they obviously can. There's been some, you know, really, really great co- male coaches in women's footy. Uh, for me, I just don't understand how, how how male coaches who have not had any experience at all coaching the women's game are being brought in right at, at the top level. I just... I, and I think... Playing devil's advocate here, I would argue that we get really grumpy when we see the likes of Peter Searle getting slapped away from the men's program into back into a women's. And so, you know, it. I don't want to be gendered and I don't want to say that, you know, only women should coach women's teams and men should only coach men's team because obviously we're so far beyond that. But I don't think it's about gender here. I think it's about experience. That's that's and, the key. And I'm yeah. yeah. So when I look at what the Giants are doing with Alicia Eva, and what I look at what St Kilda did do with 
Peter Searle and how they did take them on and develop them as people first because they have that talent and that raw football skill and knowledge and then they can take it across. I think that's the way to look at it. Um, but, yeah, I, I, another slap to the face was when Richmond got that huge million-dollar funding the week after they decided to ditch the VFLW team. It was just a whole other... The only team to turn a profit in the world of COVID, I think. Yeah. That's what happened. Yeah, it was. Like, mm-hmm. come on. Yeah. Um, and they pulled the pin on that just on Richmond. They pulled the pin on that VFLW team so early. Um mm. Which really showed where their priorities lay, I thought, mm. you know. At least, and this is the thing, at least at, um, I'd been clubbist, I don't know, at North Melbourne at least, um, I guess not the wealthiest club in the league and yet they've really established that they're there to support the men's and women's leagues and they, are, have, they have um, submitted, you know, for both a VFL and VFLW license and I think that has a bit of guts behind it. I think in a little club in Preston based down beside Mary Creek being able to field a VFLW side also says something. Bit of guts, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's And it does feel like a slap when a, a club with that much money says, mm, nah, actually you're not worth it and we've got a small little AH crap infused club <laughs> That says, no, no, we're willing to throw our everything, everything mm. to support women's football. Women and football and women's football. For as long as Darwin can, can mm. they will, which yeah. is yeah. just impressive. Because I, again, Richmond makes that decision and I just think about St Kilda Sharks and the Eastern Devils and, you know, these... these I want to be playing against those clubs. These foundation, these OG, you know, women's Diamond clubs Creek. that... Ex- yeah. Diamond Creek, yeah, of course, like existed. Like Darabin do, like Darabin exists to develop women and girls in sport. Um, and, and yeah. Can I just say, like a club... You know, we're obviously very Darwin centric here, mm. but I think um, Darwin re- are all about de- exactly that: developing women to play football, not necessarily trying to play AFLW or get their names up in the lights. They just want people who really love the game to yeah. come and play and really yeah. nurture them and help them and develop them. And I think. Um, for a club like Darabin, who, as you mentioned, Elle, is one of the sort of, I don't know, original clubs that the the only one who's managed to sort of keep going on their own, all those other clubs have unfortunately had to step away, I think can hold their head up high in the fact that that's still the role they want to play Mm. and constantly getting players stolen, um, stolen, (laughs) um, Players moved on to other AFLW clubs with the bright lights, but keep on plugging on because what matters is women playing footy. Yeah. And that's what matters to Darabin. And and also developing women off field, you know, in coaching roles. I mean, again, like I, I'm, I'm doing a, a history project at the moment and been talking to a lot of um, past players and, and, 
you know, a, a theme that comes up is, you know, like Peter Searle is an amazing coach and Jane Lange is an amazing coach, but it's not like they they put their hand up and, and demanded a coaching position. Um, it was kind of they had to be encouraged into it in the first place and, you know, Darabin provided an environment for them to do that and I think that sometimes is the case with women. It's like they don't they don't just beat their chest and say, yeah, I can, I can coach a team. I can coach an AFLW team. And even to get into coaching, a lot of them have to be encouraged and coaxed into it and you need to provide that environment, you know, that encourages them to do it and to make them feel supported to do it. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a big topic, but, yeah. I'm so glad we've tried to tackle it. Yeah. <laughs> I just think um, forever hoping for more women's representation, particularly in coaching ranks in AFLW, but it's just so bloody stoked to see it happening, at least in AFLW. Like I said, I don't have the knowledge in, um, of leagues around the country, but I also know there's plenty of freaking awesome women coaches around the country yep. that I hope are getting provided with opportunities that clubs like Darabin, like Hawthorne in particular, are providing women. And in, in saying that, if you are someone out there who aspires to be a coach or has aspirations to get involved in a club as a list manager, as an operations manager, whatever it is, reach out to clubs who you would like to work for because I can guarantee you that clubs like Darabin, like other women's sports clubs, will be gunning for some talent and for someone who has the time and devotion to to do that and things like operations managers list managers those kinds of roles will becoming more and more prominent in women's sport in general so yeah if you are one of those people absolutely throw your hat in the ring and ask where you can learn and ask if there's an opening for you too Mm. yeah because every women's team needs volunteers yeah and what have you got to lose absolutely nothing does anyone want to come be Darabin's runner? We are recruiting. Taking openings. You get you get to wear fluoro pink, top and bottom, with a spray jacket, maybe some socks, maybe some boots from Rel. Perhaps a hat. Um, Hiba. Yes. You want to do a little plug. Do I? Yes. Oh. A, uh, a little uh, media organisation that's popped up. In the last couple of weeks, mm. calling themselves part-timers. Mm. Part-timers Media. Go yes. give them a follow. Mm. Um, they are an anonymous group of sports people who are encouraged by the fact that a lot of AFLW players are part-time football players. In fact, 98% of them are. Um, and I guess it's just shedding a light on the stories that we haven't been privy to. I guess in the first couple of years of AFLW, we did see a lot of the likes of Tay Harris, of Moana Hope, of Daisy Pierce, some big name footballers. But there are so many girls at each and every club who turn up to training every single week and they may not play every single week, but they do commit the same time at the club than, you know, every other player. Um, and so these these um, sports people at Part-Timers Media wanted to 
shed light on these stories and uh, get them out there. So, yeah, if you participate in a female sporting league of some sort, um, probably semi-professional, um, definitely get in touch with them because I know they're looking for every aspect of every story to tell. So, yeah, it's written by the players for the people, essentially. So, yeah. Yeah, it's been awesome so far. Yeah, just really interesting reads. Um, I think it will give a really accurate insight into the life. Well, so far, definitely of AFLW players, and I think people don't think they just see them on a footy field and don't understand what gives behind the scenes. So it's, it's really fantastic, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing who they've got lined up. Woohoo! Well, I think that just about brings a full stop to the year that was 2020. Get out of here, 2020. I, but then I also, just sorry, one last. On your soapbox, here. Yeah, one last little rant is I want to throw 2020 in the bin. I have had enough of it. But I don't think we should then not acknowledge what we have all been through this year. I think we can put it in the bin, but also know that we have freaking made it through this year and that we are more resilient. We are better for it, but we are more willing to, I guess, take on things because of it. So, yeah, put it in the bin, but then also celebrate yourself yeah i agree i think um 2020 is a year like no other hopefully 2021 will not be the same but um (laughs) i think i just want to give a shout out to people who maybe are still finding their way a little bit it's not so easy to bounce back from such a tough time particularly um living and breathing the lockdown here in victoria has been really effing difficult oh my I God. mean honestly we're all gonna wear those scars for a while like mm-hmm. I think um just acknowledge it um look after each other and I think let's take some lessons out of 2020 like I think we reflected when we had our short catch-up in between lockdowns just about enjoying the simple things let's not forget that love of the outdoors that we all um mm. fell into and the importance of slowing down and the importance of um, me time and all of those things that really just get lost in the busyness of life, <laughs> um, particularly when you're playing footy Go and out. you live and breathe footy. It can be all-consuming, um, pretty much a full-time job alongside your full-time jobs. So mm. I think, um, yeah, don't forget those lessons for sure. Here. And I would just like to say that I have appreciated both of you through – this year and lockdown and geez we've made each other laugh oh, we have yeah thank god for this would you like a song or the, like, thank god yeah, for the, this afl life group yeah. chats all i could say it's been a ride that one wow <laughs> blood sweat and tears in that chat oh. it is there's been some real highs and lows in some that really good gifts some really bad gifts some you know some raw you know vulnerability <laughs> Lots of laughs. I think I sent a few selfies of crying, Rachel. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's been great. Um, thank you both for your support. And it's really lovely to see you both in person. I don't actually think we've seen each other in person for so long. No, um, I know. 
Actually, that's a total lie. I saw you both at training last week. (laughs) Not in our own little space, Alison. (laughs) I have to pretend to not like Hibber at training. That's that's true. (laughs) It's true. She ghosts me most of the nights. And then at the end, I have to go over and be like, hi. (laughs) Hi, Caddy. No, I think I'm really looking forward to – Elle has invited us both back to continue on. I don't know how we passed the audition, though, to be honest here, but I think maybe there was no one else. Anyways, yeah, I'll take it. It's okay. Yep. We'll be here. Let's not let's not delve too deeply into that. <laughs> Must have been the gift. Just, just be happy that so it's happy. continuing. Um, but but like I said at the top of the show, this t- today's show is just putting a full stop on 2020. In the new year, we will have a season preview, and we promise we will actually do some research for that. Daddy. I promise. I promise. Pinky promise. Um. And we also just want to give a little shout out to a um, a follower follower of ours um, who's a bloody amazing uh, supporter of the show who has helped uh, make this show ha- happen tonight. Um, they know who they are uh, and I'll leave it at that. Um, but see you later, 2020. Catch up. Thanks for having us. See you next year. Bye.